It is Friday the 12th of April 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 35 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Just one more disclaimer today as well. On, on the podcast, I, I do say some stuff regarding some market valuations. So just a reminder that it is my opinion and you shouldn't buy or sell or do anything based solely off what you hear because I'm wrong all the time and just as much as I'm right. So this this episode, we've got a, it's, it's been a busy week um, and a busy couple of weeks really because we're going to cover some, some topics that I didn't get to cover last week because of the interview with John Berry. So the, the big news obviously is, is McDonald's buying the steak and Plexure. We, we're going to get to that. Um, I'm also going to share the the my what happened at the shareholders association meeting regarding Kathmandu. But first, what I'm going to do is we're going to kick off with a discussion about a new company, a company that we haven't talked about before on the podcast. So we'll get right into that. Paysource. This is a name that stuck out for me when I was going through the NZX announcements this week. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code PYS. I hadn't seen this name before and I was like, hold on a second, have I missed an IPO here? Surely I wouldn't have missed an IPO. That would make me a bit negligent in my podcast duties. So <clears throat> I was trying to figure this out and there's lots of documentation on, on the different announcements and everything like that and I decided, bugger it, I'll just give them a call. So the telephone is one of the best research tools that you have, by the way, and I, I don't really use it enough to quote the wolf on Wall Street, pick up the phone and start dialing. Um, and it's not just companies that you could talk to. Let me give you an example. Say you're researching a pharmaceutical company, you might want to talk to doctors or other industry experts or professors or whoever it might be. It, it just takes a little bit of phone savvy and you can sort out that kind of thing. So it's important is always to to know the difference though when you're doing that between inside information and publicly available information. So you've got to tread a, a fine line. Um. Anyways, so I called the company and I I got through to the CEO. His name is Ansanta Wajaratni. I may have butchered the pronunciation there. Um. So the first question I pretty much asked was, have I missed an IPO? And Asanta explained to me that the company wanted a path to market and decided that instead of doing an IPO, they would do a backdoor listing. So what they essentially did is they took over the Energy Mad Limited listing, which was obviously defunct. So Asanta explained that they did not need the capital currently and that this was a, actually a quicker way to market. He wants to spend his time running the business and not going through an IPO. IPO process, which we all know can be time consuming. I mean, you generally hear about an IPO months in advance, and then it takes some time. So obviously, all that period is is consuming for the company as well. So then I asked, "What? Why would you list it then?" And he answered that in the future, when they do decide, when if if they want to grow, which they do, they want to have the option optionality to access capital markets to raise money, and obviously that that all makes sense to me. So I'll quickly describe what they do. They're a very easy to company to understand. They effectively provide pay, payroll software that businesses can plug into and companies pay a subscription fee for the service and the idea is that like any other app you can do it through your phone and so you, you can essentially do all the payroll stuff through your phone and I haven't used it but it's meant to be faster and easier than what businesses currently do and a lot of the stuff still happens on paper or, or maybe Excel spreadsheets. So straight away I know what you're thinking. You're thinking is zero. You know, it's the it's the zero of payroll. And I guess 
if this, if this company is anywhere near successful, then those comparisons are going to be inevitable. So let's dive into the report. It was for the first quarter of 2019, and total recurring revenue grew 106% to 240k, compared to 117k in the first quarter of 2018. So that's quite strong growth. Interesting though, the if you look on their website, the sequential growth wasn't actually that high. Sequential growth would be compared to the fourth quarter of 2018. So I think in this sort of company, you really want to see the strong sequential and the strong comparable quarter growth. That's that's what you really want to see from these small companies, especially in the subscription pace, space. So the number of employees receiving their payroll increased 94% to 7,237 people. And the total number of payroll customers increased 86% to 1,384. And then they, they stuck in a, a couple of charts in the in the update to illustrate this, and they were both trending up and to the right, which is exactly what you want to see. So these sorts of companies are, are quite easily easy to analyze. I mean, the, the, it, it's quite simple, really. It's the average revenue per customer and the total number of customers and the growth rates of those. It's it's, it's not rocket science, um, and that's how you sort of assess the performance of the company. And then you can translate that into financial metrics such as gross margins and everything like that. So gross payroll value processed increased 88% to 72 million. And I guess you could compare gross payroll value as a metric to gross merchandise value or GMV, which is what online retailers use as a metric. <clears throat> so before you get too excited, it's important to realize that the, these numbers are quite small in the scheme of things. And they are a year out of date, so we only have the 2018 balance sheet to work off, but the company had, at that time had only 500k in assets, and so it's currently in the growth phase at the moment and nowhere near profitable. And this is where it gets a bit tricky for me. So they've taken over an old listing with lots of shares outstanding. And I didn't get into the small detail with Asunder, but he, he explained that as part of the reverse takeover, the share count also increased. So the company has, according to Direct Broking, 5.8 billion shares outstanding, which is a, a staggering number, something you'd expect from a, a company like Apple. And just to do a, a quick comparison, Ryman Healthcare has only 500 million shares outstanding, and Qantas, which is, everyone knows is a massive airline, has only 1.6 billion shares outstanding. And obviously, you never want to compare companies by number of shares outstanding, but it, it just shows that it's it's an unusually high number. <coughs> Excuse me. So because of this, what you get with, with PaySource is a ridiculously low share price of 1.4 cents per share. And basically, any order that is placed has a huge impact on the valuation of the company um, and on on one day during the week, there were some shares traded and, and the stock moved a third of a cent and $30 million was added to the market capitalization. So a third of a cent added $30 million to the market capitalization. So I think the first thing the company needs to do is engage in a reverse stock split to get the price to an area where it can actually be valued and, and trade efficiently. And my suggestion would be a 100 to 1 reverse stock split or at least a 10 to 1. A 100 to 1 reverse stock split would put the stock at over a dollar a share, which would be more helpful for investors that want to value the company. So that, that leads me to valuation. At 1.4 cents per share, the stock is valued at $81 million. Now, that, that may have may have changed it since the time of, of recording here, but the, the principle is still the same. So 1.4 cents per share, valuation of $81 million. And I'm not sure how the market arrived at this valuation, to be honest. And the company, you know, as of March 2018, had 500K of assets. And the announcement during the week, 
only 240k in recurring revenue. So mathematically, a, an 81 million dollar market cap just doesn't make too much sense, unless of course there is some sort of contract or, or growth that have that they've won that is yet to be reflected in the numbers that will justify the valuation. That could be the case. I'm not sure. So I asked the CEO about this, and he was obviously not able to comment on the valuation as it's the market that sets the prices, not him. So without doing any more digging or knowing more, I suspect that the valuation is some sort of hangover from the Energy Mad listing. So this is where it might get tricky with the reverse split. You, you might find that there is some massive, if they did a reverse split, that there might be a massive revaluation of the company if as as it's easier for might be easier for investors to get out, which will result in a cratering of the market cap and it'll be a real shame for the folk that have bought into the stock since it's listed. Um you'd be basically you could be just shooting them in the foot. Um I, I could be wrong about how that works there, but it it's obviously something that Asanta and, and the rest of the team at PaySource need to figure out the best way of doing. And obviously I, I, I don't think you know, having five point eight billion shares outstanding is is practical for the the company going forward. That's just my view, though. And well, the other explanation of the valuation is that the market is is getting excited about the potential of the company and has bidded the stock up to a level where it believes that it could potentially f- f- fulfil this potential. So. If we remember that a company is fundamentally worth its future cash flows with a discount rate applied, it seems that it would take a while from where where pesos are right now to generate eighty one million dollars in cash to justify the market cap. So this doesn't take anything away from the company. However, what what I like is that it's it, it's a product that's easy to understand and and the business model is is pretty straightforward. Obviously, just because it's straightforward doesn't mean it's easy so execution is going to be key going forward the ceo he seemed open and honest to on on the phone with me um and that's always a good sign he's from a a, a background in the payroll space so you'd describe him as an industry expert and he owns a lot of shares so that's always good to see as well and they are growing rapidly at the moment with the potential for future growth so there is a lot to like that the valuation is is well, I've spoken about the valuation, I don't need to say anything more. So it'll be an interesting story to watch over the next little while. So I'll just do a quick update on Kathmandu. There wasn't any market update during the week, but I attended the Auckland Shareholders Association meeting during the week, where CEO of Kathmandu, Xavier Simonet, was presenting. I might have pronounced the last name wrong then, as it's a French last name. So I made bold claims on an earlier podcast that I'd be the first to ask him the question about inventory. And my claims turned out to be just that, claims. It's not that I bottled it, it, it just it emerged later that, that someone had actually prepped Xavier, and literally the first thing he said in his presentation was, was words to the effect of, we know we've got too much stock, and we're going to do something about it. So that it, it pretty much stifled me there. And then when question time came around, <clears throat> just before the qu- first question, he said, I'm glad we covered the question of inventory already and that sort of took the wind out of my sails a bit. Anyway, he didn't really go into much detail about this, but reading between the lines, the the weaker than expected Christmas sales from the company meant that they had more inventory left over than what they were originally expecting. To put this into plain English, they bought bought inventory, they're expecting to sell more of it and they didn't. So that, that makes sense. If you buy something, you expect to sell it, you don't, you're going to have more of it left over. Um, he believes that the the extra inventory or or stock will be easy to sell and it's not a problem. He he believes that they'll be able to to get rid of it. So, you know, is, is it a big deal? I guess it'll be something that we 
that we need to monitor going forward. It would be easy to jump onto the back of Kathmandu about this, but I think it is within the normal vicissitudes of life that owning any retailer, you can expect some ups and downs when the economy moves up and down, and it's not does not necessarily make them a bad company. And you know, if you owned your own retailing shop, for example, you know you're going to have these sorts of ups and downs as well. Some other interesting things he said is that they're going to move away from store opening to store and brand optimization. So I'm guessing that is getting more out of their existing stores and brands with most likely a focus on bigger online side of things, maybe some more omni-channel stuff is, is what he talked about as well. He also talked a lot about the Oboes acquisition. I liked the way it was done. It was opportunistic. Basically, they had been selling Oboes products for the last 10 years, one of the few outside products, so products from other companies that they do actually sell. I've always said that's one of Kathmandu's strengths is that they, they do control their own brand. So the CEO of Oboes contacted them saying he wanted to retire. So then they sat down with, he was like 70 years old or something. So they sat down with the CEO, they agreed a price, and they did a deal. Simple. I like this because they weren't on the search for an acquisition like a bloodhound, but they were prepared to move when they saw an opportunity. It was obviously a product that they had had 10 years of sales data that they were very familiar with. So it's sort of, as long as the price is right, it's quite a low-risk acquisition. It didn't seem like an acquisition for acquisition's sake. Um, so Xavier also spoke to how this could leverage expansion in the United States. I was about to ask if this meant stores in the United States, but he bit me to the punch again and said that this would be a brand expansion would not involve physical stores. The whole room sort of breathed a sigh of relief as the as, as store-based overseas expansion has not previously gone that well from Kathmandu. So interesting presentation. I think, as I said in a previous episode, I'd, I'd recommend that you sign up to your local shareholders association. Probably the most interesting update over the last couple of weeks, and it is more than a week old now, so you probably have already heard of it, that it's McDonald's buying 10% of the outstanding shares of Plexure. So Plexure trades on the NZX under the ticker code PLX, if you want to find out more about them, I, I did an interview with the CEO, Craig Herbison, as a bonus episode between episodes 15 and 16 on the podcast. It was released on the 12th of November, so I'd recommend having a listen to that if you want to find out a bit more about them. Now, McDonald's. You may have heard of them. They trade on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker code MCD. From an operational and profit perspective, as well as a return on investment perspective, they are one of the best companies in the world. They are literally ginormous, with a market cap of nearly 150 billion US dollars. And they have one of the most recognisable brands in the world. Everyone knows the Golden Arches. So, on the 25th of March, McDonald's came out with an announcement that they were buying an Israeli digital startup called Dynamic Yield for 300 million. Now, McDonald's did not really do much in the way of acquisitions. And this was reportedly, reportedly their largest in, year, in years. So, Dynamic Yield... It, it, what they do is they consult with retailers to provide personalised digital promotions to consumers using streams of customer data. And when I heard, heard this, I remember thinking, I wonder what that means for Plexure. The thought sort of disappeared from my head pretty quickly because on the 2nd of April, there was an announcement from McDonald's with the headline that read, McDonald's announces investment in New Zealand-based Plexure. Plexure couldn't contain their excitement in their announcement and resorted to cap lock, caps locks in the title for extra emphasis. They wrote, Plexure and McDonald's strengthen global strategic partners. 
So if, if caps locks in, in, in the digital world means shouting, they were shouting that, and so they should. And how, how cool is this really? I mean, I'm, I'm racking my brains to think of, and, and I can't think of another time when a, a company with a pedigree of McDonald's has, has turned around and purchased a stake in a NZ, NZX listed company like this. I mean, I'm sure there's been some, but it, it's it's pretty big and interesting news, really. And obviously, once people got hold of it, the, the stock pumped. I mean, it ran up from, what, 40 cents a share to over 60 cents in, in like no time. And that's exactly the sort of market reaction you'd expect from news like this. So the CEO of McDonald's, Steve Easterbrook, was quoted in the update. The investment is a testament to our belief and Plex's ability to deliver strong results for our business, as well as the talent and technology they've cultivated. Now, whether Easter, Easterbrook actually said this might be open to debate, but it's very cool that he was quoted in the update. So, the investment has been facilitated through the issuance of new equity in Plexure. McDonald's will, will purchase nearly 14 million shares at the price of, a, of, of 39.5 cents per share. So, that that gives McDonald's a nine nine point nine percent stake, and you know it, it, it dilutes everyone else of of course, um, and it, it gives Pleasure some funds for for expansion. But you know I I think it, it doesn't it might dilute everyone on a share count perspective, but it doesn't dilute in terms of value. I think definitely this McDonald's buy in adds adds value on a per share basis despite the dilution. So it's it, I don't really consider it dilutive. And it would, it would take a bit of a cynic to view this in a bad light. It, it really would. But it is important to damper this with some realism. So the 3.7 million US dollars that this cost, it costs McDonald's to, to buy Plexure, it's not even a rounding error for them. It has the same impact on the on their balance sheet as, as it does me finding 50 cents on the ground that that the same impact that that would have in my bank account. It would make me happy, and I don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd bend down and I'd pick it up, but it's obviously not a game changer. So just to put the, put the numbers into perspective, last year McDonald's reported US $8.8 billion in operating earnings and paid out $3.3 billion in dividends, that's billion with a B, and bought back nearly $5 billion in stock. So with the money that they paid out in dividends and share buybacks, they could have purchased two Sparks, and then it had a billion Kiwi in cash left over. And that just illustrates how much money that is because we all know how big Spark is in New Zealand. So it is important to remember to keep this in context. You know, if, if Plexure were to disappear tomorrow, Maccas would, would, would be able to keep on keeping on. You know, you'd, you'd still be able to buy Big Macs and that they would find another solution. But I think that the key thing is that for, is, is McDonald's, you know, they wouldn't be bothering to make an investment like this and and what for them would have to be an obscure company in an even more obscure financial market if what Plexure was doing didn't hold any importance for them. And that is what's so significant for Plexure. While they're still at the whim of McDonald's, and if, if, if McDonald's decides tomorrow that they don't want to have any involvement in Plexure, it's going to still massively affect Plexure. I, I see it as a massive validation of their business model. And I think that that is why that it can it can only be viewed as good news for the company. Right, so that's about all I have time for again this week. Thanks again for listening in to the podcast. A reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial 
advice um, and certainly everything is my own opinion so don't go do something based solely of what you hear if you're looking to find out more about the podcast go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on facebook make sure also to share it with your friends if you want to email me it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz once again my name is jeremy medlin and this has been episode 35 of the stock market movers podcast for friday the 12th of april 2019 We'll see you all again next week.